Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. And happy Easter. Can I get a happy Easter? Happy Easter. Okay, if you grew up in an Anglican church, hands up, anyone grew up in a Church of England, Anglican church? If I say Christ is risen, you will say... Amen. So I'm going to say Christ is risen. Now we are a church from many different nations with many different languages. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. And you can say Christ is risen, obviously, in many different languages and tongues. So I'm going to kick us off in English. Okay. And then if you speak another language, can you shout out with a loud voice, Christ is risen? in your language okay one at a time so we can hear each other and we're going to celebrate the fact that christ is the savior of all the nations so here we go christ is risen someone else (laughs) keep going There were many people who were crucified. Historians think some like hundreds of thousands potentially of people were crucified by the Roman Empire. So it wasn't a unique thing for Jesus to be crucified outside of Jerusalem. But around the world, whether we worship and adore him as God or not, people know of Jesus of Nazareth. Maybe you might know of Spartacus, although whether he actually died on the cross is debated. So you might know two people who were crucified by name. But only Jesus today is worshipped and adored by some two billion people today. There are men and women gathering in basements in Kiev right now to sing songs, some of the same songs that we've sung to this Jesus who was crucified there are men and women gathering in in uh, shopping centers in tokyo right now worshiping this jesus giving their lives over to this man who was crucified there are men and women gathering in favelas in brazil and in community centers in central london all giving praise and adoration to this jesus and why because he rose from the dead Not just Christianity rides on this factual point, but all of human history rides on the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We were driving through London. We were staying with my parents at the moment. So we're driving through on on the Great West Road. You can see all sorts of bits of London. And we're just aware that this day that we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all of London hangs on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Easter is not just for Christians. This isn't our USP as a religion. That the resurrection of Jesus has implications for all of us. So whether you're a Christian here or not, whether you think about Jesus during your weeks or not, Easter has implications for you. 
Because if this man rose from the dead, as he said he would, we need to, at the very least, at the very least, listen to what he has to say. And he tells us that he is the Lord who has come down in the flesh to save us from our sins and to be raised again so that he might pour out brand new life and grant us joy eternally. And you might think, like I might think sometimes, really? <laughs> you ever thought that? I did it. Okay, let me just check. We're really saying this man bodily rose from the grave to have breakfast with his friends, to restore friendships, to forgive people, and then ascend to the right hand of the Father, never to die again, so that in the heavenly places, Jesus is alive as a man, five foot, six foot, we don't know, but as a Middle Eastern man at the right hand of the Father, right now in the flesh, we're saying, we're saying that's the truth. And you might even, if you're in church, say, like, yeah, sometimes I have to recalibrate my thinking about that. If you're a Christian, you might be thinking, really? Let me just reassure you for one moment. That question was asked from the very first disciples themselves. They were not expecting the resurrection either. Sunday for us was their Monday morning. So on their Monday morning, as it were, they were that life was beginning to move on. All their hopes have been dashed and crushed. Even though Christ had told them, I'm going to rise again on the third day multiple times, it was a category they did not have in their thinking. Therefore, when it actually happened, they did not believe it. They were not expecting it. So on Saturday and Sunday, they were beginning to make preparations. We're told even disciples were walking away from Jerusalem to go home, to carry on with their life, because all of their hopes and expectations in this man Jesus were dashed. On this Sunday morning, as people were beginning to move on with their life, they were not expecting a resurrection. The two Marys who came to Jesus were not coming to find an empty tomb. They were coming to embalm a dead man. And yet we were told that heaven had charged two angels to go and wait in the grave. With a message. Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. He is not here he has risen hallelujah and we're told that they run from the tomb with fear and great what joy joy is actually the emotion of of easter when we realize the resurrection our hearts get filled with joy peter who had denied jesus Later, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he stood up to preach for the first time in Acts 2, he tells us this. He tells those Jewish leaders, he says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. Because when we know that Christ has been raised, there is a bubbling up of joy that happens in our hearts. And so when we get to 1 Peter, this whole passage is in a sense an overflow of joy and praise. 
Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this meditation on the resurrection and the implications of what it means for us, if this is actually true. He says, in this you rejoice, church. And he talks about this joy. He says this, though you have not seen him, in verse 8, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Has anyone ever experienced some of that kind of joy? This is a joy that you do not have to muster up. This isn't a kind of joy that says, come on guys, it's Resurrection Sunday. Let's be excited. We're Christians, remember? It's not something that is born of our willpower. This is a kind of joy that is born of God and the Holy Spirit. This is a kind of joy that comes when we come close to the reality of the resurrection. Something wells up from within us, born of the Holy Spirit, as we realize that everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay when we are with Christ. And this is the kind of joy that we are surprised by in the difficulties and the blessings of life because what peter says here and what he writes to is he writes to christians who are in exile who are being persecuted who are being fought against because they believe in jesus and he recognizes that they are walking in trials and yet he says in the middle of these trials you are actually rejoicing Paul says, while you are still sorrowful, yet we are also rejoicing. This kind of joy surprises us in graveyards. This kind of joy can surprise us in the midst of depression. This kind of joy can surprise us in the midst of exhaustion. This kind of joy can surprise us in the midst of marital stress. This kind of joy can surprise us when it does not feel like there's hope in your life. When we come close to the resurrection of Christ, this joy will spring up with a living hope. And this passage is filled with fuel for our joy. And so all I want to do for the next few minutes, and I promise beacons, because Charles is watching the clock right now. <laughs> I promise shortly, I want to give us seven reasons to be happy. Is that all right? Oh, come on, guys. Okay, four reasons to be glum. <laughs> it's your choice. We're going to go for seven reasons to be happy because of this resurrection. Okay. This is the first reason. The resurrection declares that God is actually merciful towards us. Look what he says, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when we come close again to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, what we have is a sign that God is merciful. Not just that God is sympathetic or empathetic with us, that he knows how we feel. He does so that we can pray to him and we know we will have a listening ear. More than that, he is actually merciful in that he sees our need in our sin and he comes to meet our need by sending his, say, his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and be raised again for our justification. 
Amen. The resurrection tells us that God is merciful. So do you need mercy today? Do you need help in your time of need? You look to the saviour of the resurrection. The second thing is this, is that through the resurrection, Jesus has caused us to be born again. Just read it again. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus did not die on a cross and then rise again so that we can believe that Jesus Christ died and then rose again. He died and then rose again so that he could actually accomplish our salvation. He accomplished something in his death. He accomplished something in his resurrection. He came so that we might be born again of the Holy Spirit of God, that we might be born again to a living hope. Ed Clowney says it like this. He says this, the means of our new birth is not first the message of the resurrection, it is the fact of the resurrection. When Christ rose, he secured our salvation. I've told this story once, and it's a kind of cheeky story, but the theologian Karl Barth, he was asked, when did you get saved? And the person asking him thought he would say, oh, when I was 20, or I was at an Alpha course, or I was at a conference and I gave my life to Christ. And he said, I was saved AD 33. Which is a cheeky answer, but theologically, that's when we got saved because Christ accomplished something in his resurrection for you and I. And so when we put our trust in Jesus and we begin to not trust in ourselves and be confident in us, when we look to Christ for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins, we get united with Christ in his death so that my old self dies with Jesus in his death with all my sinful nature it gets crucified and the good news i get resurrected spiritually to a brand new life in the resurrection of jesus christ like paul says in romans 6 for if we have been united with him in a death like this we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this so christ's bodily resurrection actually causes us to be born again if we would look to him and trust in his resurrection there's a few more things to say thirdly this the resurrection secures our hope because he says this we're born again to something it's a living hope not a dead hope not a hope like where we're just really crossing our fingers and hoping that this will it actually is it possible that could i meet someone could i actually settle down somewhere could it's not that kind of hope. It's a, a living hope where we know, because we know, because Christ was resurrected, that there are good things coming. Paul tells us to rejoice in hope. If you know good days are coming, 
You can look forward to them, can't you? If you know there's a holiday coming, why do so many people struggle with mental health during lockdown and COVID? Because all of our plans and all of our thoughts and prospects for what might be on holidays and hopes and dreams and plans and wedding days and all these kind of things, they were just cancelled. And suddenly there is nothing to hope for. And yet what we're told is that this hope is not like our plans this is a living hope that will come into being and can fill our hearts with joy so that fourthly our inheritance is coming he tells us look at this kind of hope that we have we get this living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you how would you feel right now if you knew that something amazing was definitely happening tomorrow what you think about tomorrow changes how you feel today right if i told you that in your pocket you have actually got the winning lottery ticket and you can just go down to camelot or wherever you go these days and give them your ticket and you are now the winner of 20 million pounds tax-free all yours so that by monday afternoon that money will be in your bank account how would you feel right now it feel all right i guess <laughs> would you be so worried about the banger of the car that you are currently driving or would you be so worried about those previous niggles that are in your house and you're saving up to get carpet here and do this on the house and would you be worried about any of that I doubt it because you're waiting for the prize we're told that there is an inheritance waiting for us the end of this passage he tells us so that we may obtain the salvation of our souls this inheritance is all the spiritual riches that are in the heavenly places Jesus tells us that the meek will inherit the earth that the, the land that we walk on right now is part of our inheritance as those who follow this resurrected Jesus. That we will one day see Jesus face to face and we will get to look into his eyes and all of the kindness that will melt away, all of the trauma that we go through in this life will be ours. There are good things coming for those who trust in this resurrected Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as Christians, we can tell each other without being glib, everything's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. Because we say it from the backing of a resurrected Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has gone before us and has told us that everything is going to be okay few more good things this inheritance will never fade you might accomplish something in life you may achieve something in life but before you know it that thing will fade that thing will be forgotten all of the exams that you work so hard for by the time you reach 50 60 70 probably won't be so worried about was it this grade or that grade or what mark or how did I do or we're going to move on from the homes that we saved for and prayed for that we could actually live in they'll be gone we'll move on from those 
That's not our final dwelling place. But this inheritance that we have, Peter tells us, is imperishable and undefiled and unfading. We will enjoy this forever and ever and ever. Those of you who are in investment, you will know, hey, put your money in this and it will die within X amount of years. Put your money in this and you will keep it for eternity. Put your trust in this life, it will fade. It will slip through your fingers quicker than you can grasp it. Put your trust in Christ, you suddenly have an inheritance that will never ever fade. Hallelujah. And here's two more good things. Peter actually tells us that not only is this inheritance waiting for us, but that we, because of the resurrection, will be kept for that inheritance. Because what good is it if we have an inheritance that is waiting? Glory awaits, but we ourselves don't make it in our faith. What if we stumble and fall before we get there? But the resurrection tells us this. He says in verse 4, To an inheritance that is imperishable, unfading and undefiled, kept in heaven for you, you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So fear not, Christian. God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is going to keep you and your faith, even though it feels like you are holding on by your fingernails sometimes, Psalm 63 tells us that the Lord's right hand, because he lives, is underneath you and carrying you all the way to your inheritance. You think, I'm tired. Yes, but the Lord's right hand sustains you and will keep you so that you make it to your inheritance. Yeah, but I'm not sure about my faith right now. Don't worry, the Lord's right hand is underneath you and he will keep you for your inheritance. You are being kept and guarded even when you lose all faith in yourself underneath you as you look to Jesus. You find his hand just taking you all the way to glory. It's good news, amen? For a city who I think is exhausted right now, this is good news. And lastly this, today's trials and difficulties that press your faith in Jesus only serve you. They don't hinder you. This is the last thing. Verse 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, Peter says, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Anyone put their hand up and say, I've had various trials in my life. Feel like you're going through various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The picture is this. If you take gold, it is naturally in its natural state impure with lots of impurities in it. So people refine it through fire. And as you place it in fire, the impurities come out of the gold and you are left with pure gold. And Peter says, as you walk by faith in Jesus, you will get beaten by life. Life will wear you down sometimes. But fear not those who trust in Christ. Because that is not actually actually crushing and diminishing your faith so that one day it may not even exist but that is actually purifying your faith so that when the trials of life come 
what happens is that your faith in Jesus gets purified like gold and your faith and your confidence in yourself begins to crumble so that what you have left when Jesus returns is a faith that has been purified and will be, Peter says, to the praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So don't fear trials. They're not pleasant but they are actually serving you on your way to meet the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. For us, this is all mixed up, this joy. I, I would just encourage you just to read this. If you're going home by yourself or in the car or just later, just read it one more time. Just take some of the fuel for joy in your heart. But knowing this, that the joy is mixed, isn't it? It's not pure joy because we walk through sorrows and trials and difficulties there are many emotions in life that are intermingled with our joy but we are promised in the scriptures that one day our joy will be totally pure with all sorrows washed away with all trials behind us because we will be face to face with our risen Lord Jesus Christ Isaiah prophesies this about the day that is coming when Christ returns. He says, you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. What kind of joy will fill creation that even the mountains will start singing? I'm guessing bass. I don't know. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Do you ever look at trees and wonder what they will be like when Christ, the resurrected Saviour, will return? Clapping their hands. Why? Out of joy. This is what we look forward to. Amen, church.